sponsored by the Dunleary Rattown Local Enterprise Office. You're listening to Business Eye on Dublin South FM. Yes, folks, and welcome to another week here at Dublin South FM. And as you know, I try to bring you thought leaders. I try to bring you influencers, leaders, people who actually know their industry, know their business, and want to share the information and the knowledge that they have so you and your business can grow. This week, I've decided to tap into AI. And we know with AI, when people hear it, we have mixed opinions, mixed views. And a lot of us really and truly are very uncertain of what AI does. So today I have asked one of our leading Irish experts, a man who is originally from Italy, but has resided in Ireland because of the Irish Colleen that he is married to. He is going to share some information with us today. Yes, about AI, how it can play an advantage for businesses, especially small business, and how we can use it and what the future looks like for us as well. It is Luca, Luca Marcioni. Actually, Marquezotti, which is one of the uh, most difficult surnames to pronounce uh, by the Irish people. Yes. Uh, so apologies for that. So anyway, it's Don't Luca. apologize. It's, it's us. It's like when we go to England and tell people to say Siobhan, they look at us <laughs> with two heads and go, what the hell is that word? So look, and that's what international language is all about. Sparked is the company and, and you founded that many years ago, which is, as you say, Let's let's get on the AI journey together. So, Luca, thank you for coming on to Dublin South FM today. What is your definition of AI? This is an interesting question. Um, I think AI is is just a piece of software for me. Nothing more, nothing less. But it's a very specific piece of software, uh, and it is a software that is able to learn from data and learn from experience. Uh, this is what makes AI software different from other types of, so- of software. You know, you mentioned there that it is a learned solution AI. What are the advantages that it have? Like from a, a medium-sized business, every business wants to be profitable and every business needs to have the skill and the strategies to move into the next decade as well. So what benefits can AI help business with? Well, Joe, two main benefits. It's all about growth and competitive advantage. Today, businesses, especially small small businesses, are you know they're striving to be more competitive, and they are um, you know suffering because there is a gap between them and you know the big ones, the ones that have already embraced AI. Uh, there is this gap, and the only way to bridge that gap is through smarter ways to do you know the the usual things, right? selling better, um, market better your products, or develop, you know, better products that are more tailored and more performing. So I would say that these are the two main things. Like we were talking, we were talking, we have been, I've been talking about competitive advantage, but the second major benefit is growth. Um, when you are combining large, um, large data sets, so large amounts of data, uh, with this technology that is called artificial intelligence, I prefer the term machine learning because there's very little intelligence actually in artificial intelligence. It, there's there's a lot of complex things, but there's no intelligence as we understand it. Intelligence is a, a human attribute, and I would be reluctant to yeah to use that term intelligence when we're talking about machines. But 
let's park definitions on one side for a second. What I was trying to say is that um, when a business has to grow, when you have a lot of data, when you know what you're doing with machine learning, uh, that growth is really unlocked for you. And, you know, if you're in software, even better, because by using AI, you can develop and deploy new features uh, that really bring you to the next level. We know about algorithms and how they can really help an organization, but elaborate a little bit more, please, on how machine learning can help a business grow, especially in the profitable ends, and that's in marketing and sales. So just elaborate on that, please, Luca. Well, there are the best way uh, to do that, maybe, Joe, is just to give examples, right? So let's pick sales. Um, well, everybody has the same objective, right? Uh, grow revenue and by you know growing revenues means to um, essentially you know finding more customers uh, or selling more to your existing customers so there are different ways to grow right and um, if you look at the ants of matrix um you know very very old but also still very useful tool um yeah you can grow by yeah penetrating an existing market developing new product um market actually develop new markets and then differentiate uh, your product into you know different market segments let's let's say that your objective your strategic objective is a uh, market penetration so you want to uh, you want to sell more into your target market and you don't have enough sales force okay because uh, they're all maxed out so the focus focus is the most important thing that would drive then uh, extra sales and extra revenue. So how do you focus your sales force using AI? Well, there are tools that have already, they already have these kind of features and those features are related to ranking opportunities, trying to understand what are the top 10 or 20 accounts where your sales force should focus to close deals, okay? And to, you know, optimally use their time in order to, um, yeah, speak with the right customers in the right way with the right pitch. This is not science fiction. This is there are already products like, for, for instance, Salesforce that have some degree of intelligence or smart features, and I believe this will will grow. Let's just look at that. There, we look at what algorithms have and look at you know machine learning AI. When people go, okay, I need to go out and reach better, a bigger audience, or I need to connect with those audience they will jump onto things like the likes of Facebook and they will run their adverts through Facebook to try and pull those people in. Or they'll jump on LinkedIn and people will search that LinkedIn have to offer to do the filters to connect to their target market. Now, they're just natural processes and systems that people have in place. If I'm a business and I'm using these features already, what would AI do if I had it myself in my own organization to enhance the exterior processes that we have in place? That's an excellent question, Joe. I think that uh, in this scenario that you mentioned, so you want to target market your audience, an AI would be able to help you in two ways. First of all, in qualifying your audience, your existing audience, okay? For instance, um, uh, my audience, uh, the audience that we aggregate around uh, uh, my company is about CEOs and uh, CXOs, uh, business executives that have very little to do with AI, but a lot to do with, you know, uh, new technologies and uh, innovation. So AI can help 
us to understand what are the clusters or what are the prototypical or personas that are uh, currently following us, okay? And this is informing our uh, our marketing strategy, our content strategy, because if we know exactly who are we, who is listening, we are then able to develop content that is more tailored f- for the existing audience. Second thing that AI can do for you is also to discover new potential audiences that can be successfully reached with your um, marketing strategy, okay? Uh, so you're able to see visually, and that I can also mention a couple of tools like Audience, for instance, that already bring to, um, you know, democratize access to this technology. So you look at your audience, you're able to, uh, you know, qualify your existing audience and also look at potential other audiences that are there, um, therefore you and further your content. It's like if I have an email list, which I would have like on on a, an email automation platform. And if I get that and I throw that into the likes of Facebook, Facebook, it's smart enough to pick all that data up and then target like audience mirror images. But what about an organization then who doesn't want to use Facebook and has that email automation list and they come to you and say, we have this. We want to go out and not use Facebook or any of these other platforms. And we want you to go to the web with our data and pull back in. So can a program be created that all this is dumped into it, like, you know, a mixing pot, and then that goes out onto the browsers, the the World Wide Web, to try and pull that data back of those like-minded? And will it give you a list then of here's the potential people that you should call? And how does it and how does it break that list down so the person can contact them? Yeah, I mean, um, again, here we are. Uh, we're talking about a very specific problem that in in the domain, in the jargon, uh, we call data enrichment. Uh, so this is a very powerful set of techniques that given just one little piece of information about a person or about a company or about an object, uh, you're able to then enrich that initial description with additional attributes or metadata. For instance, you were mentioning uh, email, personal emails or professional emails. From an email right now with uh, tools like Clearbit, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a fantastic API tool, or People, um, which is another service. What you can do is you can import a long list of uh, emails, and then you get names, surnames, gender, uh, profession. Um, and, you know, to be honest, it gets quite creepy, uh, Joe. And this is the part of AI that I like a little bit less, uh, because um, um, if it's not responsibly used, uh, it becomes a little bit too invasive. You know, it can be, it can be, it can be abused. You know what I mean, right? But you know, to answer your question, yes. Uh, once you are, once you have all that information, then you can you can target people without using uh, social media networks. Well, it can get a little bit creepy. I'm I'm not a big fan of face recognition. I know that you use it for your phone yourself. We know with AI it has to have some limitations, and I know that face recognition is being used in in places that we're unaware of ourselves there still needs to be a privacy element to it where's the boundaries for it to kind of go okay we have gone over the boundary here of trying to develop this ai and we need to step back that's an excellent question i think it's very hard to for me to answer uh, obviously i can share my opinion but 
we probably won't generalize, you know, sample of one, I represent myself, no, nobody else. And more, more, more importantly, you know, you really need an expert in ethics and philosophy, because that's, that's the crux of the, uh, that's the real point, you know what I mean? It's, um, it's something that is, I mean, the boundary is respecting the others, okay, and, you know, understand that this is a very powerful tool unconventional tool i mean this this i mean i've recently seen uh, some new advances in ai especially when it comes to uh, you know behavioral analysis so me and you in front of a camera okay there's an awful lot that an ai can uh, you know forget about let's forget for a second about facial recognition you know there are tools right now that can use can be used to codify and qualify micro expressions and you know they understand essentially what you think by looking at the position of your eyes, by looking at your movements in front of a camera. And, you know, imagine, imagine this technology, you know, used against you when you're, 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 you're being interviewed, okay, for a new job, or when your insurance company is interviewing you for the renewal of your policy, you know, this is not this, I mean, in, intuitively, this is not right. Okay, there's something wrong. Um, there's something wrong about thinking about AI applied in this in these use cases. Doesn't it sound weird to you? I mean, does it, it clicks, right? So you don't need to be a philosopher to understand that this is a this is not a good place to be, right? Yeah, I when I think when the conversations that go with AI, it's either this is all the benefits that it has, and then oh my god, it can do this, and we know that if it's in the wrong hands, it can do damage. And I think people, as you said, they need to have that moral compass to know where can they push the boundaries on. Going back to jobs, how is it being used properly then, you know, for creating a job or recruiting people? When there is also that that human connection, there's that rapport, you know, that that gut feeling, that consciousness that we have. How's that developing with AI? Look, for me, I mean, there are, Tons of examples where uh, AI, for good, creates benefits and create real value for the world. Okay, and there are many more to come. For me, all these examples are examples where human beings are lifted from tedious, repetitive tasks, done like for which they, their intelligence is completely wasted. Okay, let me give you an example: data entry. Data entry is something, something tedious and something for it's an overkill. So you put a person copying things and taking a doc, taking documents and filling forms online. This is something that a human shouldn't do. This is something that should be fully automated. And not because I don't respect that kind of job, but because I th- I strongly believe that people doing that should better off you know, creating something else or using your intelligence in a better, more productive way. And there are many other examples of, um, you know, traditional jobs that can be uh, can be obliterated and can be transformed in other jobs. Because when it comes to AI, when it comes to automation, there is an awful lot of other jobs that are created as a response to that technology. With AI as well, the human condition that if you create a piece of software that can go into an organization to help it, naturally there's going to be a resistance from the people in that organization because of the fear base 
the, the unknown, they're not aware. How, when you're developing the software for an organization, you come across this, which is normal. It's normal if anyone's delivering any software. How do you deal with it yourselves? Well, first of all, uh, I mean, everybody needs to be on board. Okay. And we're not talking only about the, you know, CEO and the CTO. Everybody who is impacted uh, by uh, the uh, the AI or the innovation needs to be, um, you know, put in the loop and informed. Because at the end of the day, I mean, technology is just part of the equation. There is the process, there, is the, there are the people that are executing that process. And even in the best case scenario, full automation is still far away in, let's say, most, most applications. So 80% of applications where AI is part of the process still requires some uh, level or degree of manual intervention. Okay, we do a lot of work with manufacturers. And, um, you know, when we're doing quality control, I mean, at the moment, quality control is largely a manual process. You know, you're creating, you're, they're making things in, in objects. You want to check that these objects are have a, a quality that is, you know, on par with expectation. So that process um, is fully manual at the moment. We are transitioning towards a, a, a fully automated uh, scenario where everything, every single prop piece is uh, checked by the AI. But in the meantime, the people have to take care of those, uh, those products or those pieces that are not nicely or, you know, resolved by the AI. So I think my answer to your question is everybody needs to be in the loop. Number one, everybody needs to be conscious that um, if AI takes away uh, jobs, it will also create new opportunities. Okay. For people who want to embrace it. So that's very important. And then third, it's the human element. Again, we are not able to fully automate, um, you know, everything. There is still going to be uh, needed the hum humans to double check what the AI yeah, we, is doing. We know that human jobs are the biggest, biggest cost factor to a company. Many years ago, we had people digging holes in the road and then we have JCPs to do that. And that's just the evolution we move along. But one of the things as well that with you mentioned data, if you have a company who has spent X amount on a product to, you know, to get this right to run smoothly, it's only really as good as the people that are actually putting in the data as well. So, you know, you might have a wonderful AI that's machine learning and picking up everything else. But if it's getting in junk, will it, will it say, I'm getting in junk or will it just spit out junk on the other side? Hundred percent, like is garbage in, garbage out, uh, because the yeah. Think about think about AI as a machine that churns data and extract the juice out of it, and then it encapsulates that knowledge into what we call a machine learning model. Okay, that machine learning model knowledge, obviously, um, I mean the the value of that model depends on the quality and the richness of the data you feed the model with. The uh Retail. What sort of projects are you working on that you can see, which is, uh, or you have completed, which has been a huge benefit to retail? Many. Uh, retail, as as you know, Joe, is a 
it's a difficult business and it's a difficult business because they have tight margins and you know things are changing very fast and faster faster and faster so you need to run your business with a very high degree of precision and you know and discipline looking in the future it's super important so all those problems related to forecasting all those problems related to yeah scenario based forecasting understanding you know what are the what what the future would look like to better plan or replan uh, those are all the kind of um, challenges that we are solving for in behalf of our clients uh, covid was yeah was a disaster for everybody retailers suffer, suffered a lot that was one of those we call them you know black swan events that were unpredictable uh, but uh, now the uncertainty, yes. The, all those AI models are still more valuable. Say if I have a retail business and I'm looking at the data points, and I've had people on before who it's all about data, but then when this decision's being made, people are making it from a conscious decision. You know, you could argue that they would still make that same decision if they had the data or didn't have the data. But can the data be put into AI and forecast what the future is, not a golden ball future, but a future for an organization. So if they look at, okay, the price of oil is going up, we're looking at Europe is economy is being affected by what's going on in Europe. Now, from a, from a human point of view, people are all looking out and going, oh my God, what's going on here? And their their attention is towards it. But with human nature, after a while, they stop watching it and they get back to doing what they do. There, there will be, in manufacture or retail, there will be that sort of slowdown. Can AI predict what the future will be over the, you know, estimated future over the next six, 10 months to help a retailer or a manufacturer prepare for the, the year ahead? That's a great question, Joe. It's, I think, I think that there are a couple of elements that come to, comes to mind. The first one is, you know, the level of trust, of trust that you put in on the AI. Uh, the second one is explainability. So if you can't, if the AI can't explain the recommendations or the forecasts, so if the AI cannot motivate the reason why is suggesting a specific uh, strategy or decision, then it's much harder for a human to, you know, embrace that um, that insight. And that's why a lot of people just switch them off, just forget about it. I just go with my intuition because they don't understand it, because they don't trust it, uh, because uh, it's it's a yeah, it's a machine, and people trust typically other people or themselves. Well, there's yeah, the old, don't understand. There's the old joke, you know, and you've seen it on TV. Computer says no, and the guys there trying to give the money to buy his holidays, and they go no. Computer says no. So, can you break AI? Can AI be broken? Hundred percent. And that's uh, that's that's where it becomes um, um, because uh, there, as uh, as I'm sure your audience and yourself are familiar with all those cybersecurity events that are crippling uh, nations, literally. AI is fallacious in the sense that it can be broken. Let me give you an example. 
uh, I think uh, last year there was a paper in one of the leading computer vision conferences and computer vision, by the way, for, you know, for the ones that are not familiar with the term is the application of AI to images and videos. So there was this very interesting paper paper about um, about uh, um, research group, I think it was in Israel, that um, was successful in fooling a camera mounted on a self-driving car. Okay? Wow. Yeah, that's interesting. Now, you can imagine, Joe, what would happen if the camera um, of a self-driving car takes the wrong decision. So interprets, let's say that you know, you're in front of the traffic light, the green becomes red. Okay, and the hackers, you know, are maliciously injecting a uh, this this modification or this uh, this um, um, yeah defect in the model. You know, lives could be lost. Is hackers then the biggest threat to AI? And let's look at it as industrial industrial espionage. To be honest, I'm, I'm I'm not qualified enough to answer this question. Yeah, no, it's it's a curious question actually. Just to, you know, if a company has invested so much, as they do in software and programs and technology, and then, you know, some some organization from another country who wants to grab its paint patents or whatever, and I know you have a lot of patents out that that go in and try to disrupt it or slow it down. So. Yeah, there's, you know, it's, is it, you know, and, and people think hackers are teenagers in rooms writing code, but not, there's, it's, it's a bigger organization. And I'm sure like if, and for the business that would be listening here as well, I'm sure the websites are getting hacked all the time to get malware put on and everything as well. And I'm sure malware is, that's probably AI being thrown out around as well. Would it be? Yeah. I mean, uh, let, let's maybe even if I'm not an expert, I can. Uh, we can reason together, Joe, because um, the way the way we always understood hacking uh, is a malicious intrusion event, okay, uh, for the purpose of stealing information, okay, or for the purpose of destroying um, an infrastructure or creating some sort of damage, okay bringing down a server, bringing down a service, okay? What we're talking here with AI is something much more sophisticated and probably even more dangerous, okay? Let's think, let's get back to the example that we made before about the retailer that this time trusts the AI, trusts the forecasts of the AI, understands why, you know, the rationale of those suggestions. And all of a sudden, that forecasting model gets corrupted, okay, gets modified by a malicious uh, entity, well, that CEO is in big trouble because he gets the wrong insight from a trusted source. So we're still far away from from uh, a scenario like that. It's, it's, yeah, information is king, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, it's not that far away in the future. Sponsored by the Dunleary Rattown Local Enterprise Office. You're listening to Business Eye on Dublin South FM. Why did you fall in love with AI? What was the, the thing that you kind of went, oh my God, this is where I'm going to focus my career on? 
it was 1999. I was um, I was still in the university, and uh, it, my professor uh, kind of said, "Look, why don't you go in London? There is a friend of mine who's leading a very interesting, uh, interesting, a very interesting research in, on videos, on the application of this thing called the AI to video." And I said, "What is AI?" And I started. He gave me a big red book. Um, and this is a you know one of the one of the most important books um, about AI, like a, a seminal book is the Peter Norvig book about artificial intelligence. And I you know I still remember you know the preface, and I still remember the vision that those pioneers had about AI as a um, yeah as we see it today, okay, as a pervasive technology. And I thought, wow. So I went to London. I did some. I did my master thesis there, and then after that, I say, okay, this is going to be my career. Yeah, I, I, I wonder myself. Like I think it was, you know, back in the it was the eighties when I went into programming and was doing MS DOS, and realized it wasn't for me. I couldn't sit at a keyboard. You know, and now I learned what I needed to know for my career later on. But sometimes I look if I only just stuck at it. But no, I, I I'm not. I don't have the personality to be sitting at a desk all day on it. So, but what's the future? What What do you think for the future for AI? And what are you focusing on yourself for the next you know couple of years to drive the business forward as well? Um, more of the same, and by more of the same, I mean um, what you see today. Uh, you know, there is going to be more AI everywhere. Um, where there is software, there is going to be AI. Where there is data, there is going to be more AI. There is going to be more AI in deployed into things, into objects. You can already see it now. Like objects are getting smarter; they are getting more interactive. Um, they self-repair themselves in some cases. With the likes of Photoshop, looking at Photoshop, and I was looking at a new program even there this morning um, online, and the stuff that we used to have to do, click around to clear an image or a person's face to put it onto someone else, it's now AI learned. It does it and, and drops it in. So is AI going to get cheaper for businesses you know you know when everything comes out first and ai's been out probably since the 50s really you know is is it now going to start get a lot cost effective for businesses like the smartphone you know when i had my first phone it was the size of a brick and it was a couple of grand you know and now you can buy something cheap so is that how it's going to evolve and if that's the route for it as well how is that going to affect the business model for ai companies look um i think um so there there's certainly certainly an element related to cost and related to adoption the more people will use it the cheaper it will become for everybody and this is true for let's say 30 to 50% of the problems are on there. The challenge with AI, especially, is that um, it is crippled by edge cases, okay? Uh, for instance, there could be an AI that works in a certain situation or scenario, like 
getting back to getting back to the autonomous vehicles example, it works like a charm when it's you know in in a good con lighting conditions, but when it's raining and when uh, you know it's dark, it doesn't work. Okay, so to resolve those edge cases, unfortunately, um, companies and people who want to buy AI, they will still have to spend quite a significant amount of money because to solve those edge cases, bespoke solutions are required. And as you know, Job, everything that is bespoke is more expensive. The good news is that if your problem is kind of a standard problem, a problem that uh, everybody has, a problem that is um, solvable with off-the-shelf tools, well, those tools are already now very affordable to the point that, you know, they're practically given for free uh, by AWS, Amazon, and, and Azure, okay? They're there for the grab. You can use it already. Um, there was one point that I forgot to mention, um, and this is not about cost. It's about the perception that we have about AI. I think that within the next five to 10 years, AI will completely disappear. You're not going to realize that it's there, you know? You, don't, you won't see it anymore. Well, that's a question I was going to ask you. What are we using on the day-to-day -day basis at the moment that is involved in AI? I know my digital software is probably controlled. For the consumer, for the, you know, Joe Soap in the street, what are they using? In, you're talking about examples of how AI is creeping into our lives without us realizing it. Well, the smartphone is the best example ever. Like in, in a smartphone, you know, there's so much AI packed into it that, and it's invisible, totally invisible. Like forget about face recognition for a second. That's the visible part, but everything related to um, charge optimization. So how your mobile phone gets charged, how your mobile phone learns from your habits or from your, um, you know, behavioral patterns, how to better suggest operations or, um, or uh, apps. Okay, there's so much, so much more under the hood that we don't realize it's happening. And it's happening because of AI. Yeah, it's and there's that whole mobile phone, that whole, you know, there's there, you, there's another conversation on another day that we could have about mobile phones. And I don't let my kids have them. My kids don't have tablets. They don't have iPhones. They only watch Netflix um, and I have a reason for doing that um, because I think we're, if we're depending on those too much, which is killing a lot of that creativity, um, the intuition, uh, lateral thinking. Now, I've had friends who are big into blockchain and AI as well and they say, no, no, but there's a whole new way of developing it. Let them develop it at a later date. Let them develop it at a later date. But you, I think you're right that AI is creeping in that will no longer be recognized. It'll just be everywhere in cities. But I think still in the countryside, it'll still be, it'll, it'll be missing. Yeah, and coming back to your example, you know, example of, um, um, you know, friends that are, you know, essentially all in for AI and uh, distributing uh, devices, powerful devices to uh, kids. Um, I th I think your audience, 
I think your audience need to know that you can't beat the AI. Okay, you can't beat it because it's trained with humongous amount of data. Like let's take Netflix, for instance, okay? And Netflix aggregates millions, if not billions of clicks on programs, okay? So they optimize recommendations uh, for episodes and content uh, that, how can I say, are very difficult to resist. You know what I mean? When they are recommending you something, they know that with a very high likelihood and probability, you will click on that on that suggestion. So these technologies are so advanced and so powerful that cannot be beaten by humans. And I, I totally agree with you, Joe. If I had a kid, I wouldn't give, I would be reluctant to give, you know, access or to, to a mobile phone, unconditional access, because these technologies are really, really hard to manage, even for adults. Yeah, yeah, like, and with Netflix, like TV, and I think there, we live in an analog world, Luca, and we are focused into a digital world. But we need to know, I think, even though it's all wonderful, and it's great, and it's assisting us in so many ways, people need to be able to switch off and and go and and step into that an analog world because if they don't they regret it on their deathbed as well <laughs> look i think i think ai has a great potential for helping us with our digital well-being because that's what it is it is yeah you're so right digital well-being yeah instead yeah. of instead of you know using ai to increase engagement and to maximize the amount of minutes we spend in front of facebook or twitter or or Netflix, there should be an AI encouraging you to take breaks and encouraging you to detach and to use that resource uh, responsibly so that you don't maximize the revenue and the, you know, the, the share price of, uh, you know, the big multinationals, but you maximize your potential. (laughs) Yes. Your potential as a human being, you know, and this is, this can be done. It's, it's, I, it's a question that I ask my clients when I'm consulting. What would you do if the internet went down tomorrow? How would your business function? And they all look at me going, hmm, that's a good one. Because it's come so dependent on it. And I think everything, no matter what you have, no matter where, you always need to have a backup plan as well. You have to have a backup plan. Plan B Plan B on it. You name it. Tell me, if you were to give someone advice, what would be the best advice regarding AI that you'd like to share with the audience? It's very simple, Joe. Uh, I think it's about the why. So why, why do you need it? Why do you think you need AI? It's a big investment. It's difficult to deploy. It's difficult to develop. It's expensive. Um, you need to have a rock solid business case behind it. Otherwise you're just wasting your time and uh, yeah, you're not, you're going to be let down. It's not, it's not about marketing anymore. You know, peak of, um, we are past, past, you know, uh, PKI, like we're, it's not a buzzword anymore. Now it's a, it's a concrete tool to solve business challenges. You need to understand what business challenge you 
want to attack and why you have to have clear why you think AI is uh, the right approach to pursue that business challenge. And, you know, people like me, people like you are there to help, obviously, because this is a difficult question. Yeah, I think it's a case of you really need to know a strategy in place, the pros and cons and what you needed to do. I think most people will go, we need it, and then run out and not really knowing what they want. And, you know, I think the, we're, we live in a world where everybody give everybody what they want and nobody will figure out what they need. And I think that's where you need to sort of start as well. Yeah. Yeah. Luca, where can people, if people want to, I know you have your own podcast. I know that um, you do a lot of, you do some talks as well. If people want to connect and get, be educated from yourselves or in the future as well, look at some of the, the offerings that you have as a, for a business model, where can they reach out to you? Best way is LinkedIn. Um, I'm uh, quite active on that channel. And uh, yeah, just send me a uh, direct message and I'm going to respond uh, straight away, typically. Or Twitter, you know, connect directly with me on Twitter, connect, in, connect directly with me on, on those two networks. And yeah, I'm, I'm going to respond. And how do they connect with you? Because they're, they'll be listening. So it, the website as well, what's the website address? Uh, the website is sparkd.ai. And um, uh, yes, even uh, even that there is a lot of content. There's a lot of, uh, uh, I think, interesting resources about AI and about uh, in the we have a set of tools that people can use to start start uh, on their own the journey. Excellent. Excellent. Well, there you have it, folks. There is a conversation based around AI. I know that I said in the beginning of the show, a lot of people are nervous about AI and a lot of people see the future and the benefits. And I hope today sort of answered both sides of the question. Myself, personally, I'm on the fence. I do appreciate it. I love what it does, but I'm also nervous. So if you want to learn more, connect with Luca connect with his website and his podcast is great because they actually have all the different different shows you know he'll talk about um small business about learning to talk about the environment and everything as well so look everyone you have a great weekend have a great week have a great month whatever it may be and don't let ai scare you and just get your head down get stuck into business and you will thrive until next week here on dublin south fm have a wonderful week and take care.